2: And welcome to CEO Coach this wonderful Monday. This is Jillian Music at CEO Coach. I'm here today with Looney Libus. Is that correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. Uh, he is the Managing Director at Fledge, which is an interesting incubator in Seattle, Washington. Tell us a little bit about Fledge, where you come from, and how Fledge came to be.
4: All right. Thank, Thank you, you, Jillian. Uh, so Fledge is what we call a conscious company incubator. Uh, we work with companies that are... Um, uh, socially conscious, environmentally conscious, health conscious, and so forth. Uh, companies that do good in the world while doing good business. Uh, so, these are for-profit companies, not non-profits. Four companies that believe in doing something good for the world. Uh, there are problems in the world and we think we can, fledge uh, uh, and the fledglings here think they can solve these problems in the form of business, in the form of actually delivering products and services to consumers. And the consumers that we tend to work with are what we call conscious consumers. And these are the consumers that are sitting there in the stores thinking about uh, what this product will do to the environment, what this product will do to their health, how is this product made, how are the workers treated. Um, you've know, you you've read about these people. It's at least 15, maybe 20% of the population of the U.S. Uh, is caring as they make their purchases. Uh, and we're trying to fill in their their, their needs,
2: right? mm-hmm. fill in
4: their gaps, fill in the um, fill their wants and desires.
2: So some of your uh, companies then at least are making hard product, things that can be purchased by the retail market, even if they are selling through channel partners, it ends up in a retail hand. Correct. Is that correct? And you're saying it's about 15 to 20% of the buying public in the United States is what we would call a conscious customer. Do you have kind of a... um, I don't know, a persona around this buyer, uh, age or um, income or location and so on? Do you know who these people are?
4: So they're they're everywhere. Um, And the number varies. We've seen numbers as high as 40 or 45% of the population uh, care as long as the price is even or or lower. Right. Um, Right. But it actually came down one great anecdote was uh, I was watching a story from the CEO of Mm P&G. So here we got the polar opposite, right? The the makers of Tide. And his statement started out with 15% of the population cares about environment and health and so forth. And then he went in a different direction. Then he said, well, 85% don't, and therefore we need to serve that market. That is our market. Um,
2: Interesting. Rather than saying we should encourage the other 85 percent to join the 15 and create good products right. uh, that, if you will, have a longer lifespan. So instead uh, of the, so he went the other way. Yeah. Instead of, Interesting.
4: Me- instead of the method soap path of saying let's make soap out of materials that are created in nature. Uh, let's you know not pollute our our um, our effluent flows with phosphates and other things that we don't actually need to. Mm-hmm. He was going the other way, which is saying, well, 85% of the people want tide, so that's what we're bringing them.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I think perhaps 80%. of the people purchase Tide because they are unaware of an alternative that might be equally effective and uh, either not cost more or perhaps they've never been offered the opportunity to pay a few more cents to do so. Um, I recognize that at a time of uh, recession, if you will, uh, through a very difficult financial time, we've gone through not just in the United States but around the world, pinching every penny, has been a really large focus for many many families and individuals so we must be mindful of it does that mean Fledge is working towards making product that is also more affordable? Uh,
4: So it's actually interesting when you look at at, uh, the whole space of sustainability uh, there uh, there are many case studies, many examples of companies where as they become more sustainable they're saving water, they're saving energy and whatnot and and so they themselves are becoming a stronger company making products that are cheaper interesting stuff lower costs so it, it, you know sustainability and being green is not necessarily uh, always more expensive Right, right, and
2: I'm finding the same thing actually more and more. Uh, There is a coordination of companies. There will be uh, energy-focused companies that are helping out the kinds of companies that are socially conscious so they can lower the energy consumption, so they can lower costs and so on. So there is this uh, microcosm that works around. But tell me how FLEDGE came to be. Where do you come from? What's your background? And how did you create FLEDGE? All
4: right, so uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for 21 years, Uh, I started when I was 22, Um, that's almost 22 years. (laughs) Um, And the first five companies that I was part of, four of which I founded, were all software companies. So we're here in Seattle, Mm -hmm. it's a software city, Yes. and I followed down the typical easy path of starting software companies, as as you're aware of. Uh, And then I started giving back my time uh... trying to help the next wave of entrepreneurs and the place that I landed to do that was Baybridge Graduate Institute and this is an eleven year old business school uh... it's uh, awards accredited MBAs and it's the first school in the world to teach a sustainable MBA mm-hmm. so all this idea about sustainable business and whatnot, I, I actually learned this in the past two years um... uh... hanging out at BGI um, and uh... About eighteen months ago, uh, my last software company up and moved out of Seattle. We merged it with a, with a company in Boston and moved the company to New York City. Uh, and for the first time in twenty years, I was left with no plan on the side. I had no no um, no second business plan to go off and do. And so I just took the time to step back and look around to see what was going on and and, uh, and what was needed. And one clear trend in the city of Seattle and in the country is entrepreneurship. And So with the downturn in 2008, 2009, uh, many people simply turned to themselves to create a job instead of uh, looking for one that yes. didn't exist.
2: We, we call it uh, entrepreneurship of necessity and done a few shows about that. Yes. Um,
4: and so we've also seen in the, in the infrastructure of entrepreneurship, Startup America Partnership led to Startup mm-hmm. Washington here uh led to uh, Techstars and Y Combinator and, and, and a plethora of, of business incubators and accelerators. Uh, and so that was a clear area where I thought I could do some work, where well, taking my experience could help others. Uh, and so I looked around at how all these business incubators and accelerators and programs work, uh, how they make money, how they help the, help the entrepreneurs move forward, which ones help the most, and so forth. Uh, and then found a combination of features uh, uh, for a service that's a business incubator, and looked then back at this market that I was sitting in as a um, what's now my title is entrepreneur in residence at, at Babson Graduate Institute, and saw that 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 space this you know what I have to call sustainable clean green conscious companies since we don't have one term to call it
2: right so sustainable clean. Green. How does clean differ from green um, or is it kind of just clean green? Yeah, it, it sounds good. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
4: uh, um, sometimes called impactful companies on top okay. of that. Um, uh, so there was very little help in this market space uh, and there was no help in the city of Seattle. So companies that were starting up here in Seattle that wanted to go and, and bring products and uh, services to these conscious consumers we were out of luck in terms of help. Uh, there was okay. no business incubator for them. There was no uh, co-working space at the time for them. There was really no place for them to turn except to do it on their own. Uh, and so I put together a business model. Being an entrepreneur, that's, that's okay. my tool, that's my hammer. I put together a business model for a for-profit company that would help for-profit companies. Uh, and we got that started in April of last year. We ran our first cohort of companies. We do this in groups of seven. Mm-hmm. So seven companies came through, uh, they made a bet on Fledge back in uh, June and July of last year that we could help, uh, and we gave them an eight-week program where they got we got them up on their feet, out into the market, uh, and, uh, and ready for real life.
2: And how many have survived to date of the first seven?
4: So of seven, seven are still going. Yes, that's, there you go. That's that, a good thing. That's That's what's supposed to happen. Uh, And then we did it again, and so applications opened three days later. Uh, We got 60 applications for this current cohort. Uh, They came in from 14 different countries. Uh, And we pick, the the way this works is anyone who wants can apply. It's free to apply. Just go to Fledge.co and and click on Apply. Uh, We then pick the seven companies we like the best. Uh, We pay them to come, which is a little bit... Sounds a little bit flipped. Okay. Uh, so we pay them $10,000 to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we invite them in. Now it's a 10-week program. Uh, and they're here to work every day side by side with me and the rest of the teams. Uh, and while they're here, we invite in mentors. Uh, so people out there in the, in the rest of the city that want to come in and help these companies mm-hmm. for whatever reason they have. Uh, we, we are awash with mentors this time through. Excellent. Uh, and at the end of the program, we put them up on stage and show them off to the world. We count them to the press, we introduce them to investors.
2: So at the end, there's a, a pitch function, if you will, an evening in which they pitch to the general public, investors whom you invite in, venture capitalists and so on?
4: Yes. Okay. Uh, and we have a few twists on what we do versus elsewhere. It, it, we still call it Demo Day, which mm-hmm. is the term of art yes. in this space, but we obviously don't do investor pitches. We do more TED Talk. We, we Give our vision. We tell the, tell the right. audience why we're here, what we're doing, why it's important.
2: Does it result in funding?
4: Uh, it can.
2: It can, but uh, it doesn't necessarily. What else can the result of a demo day that says it's more like a TED Talk, what, what else
4: can it generate? Ah, so I think this is where the other incubators forget. Um, 97% of the audience can't invest. 97% of the people of this country are not allowed to invest. They're not Correct. accredited. Right. But they can buy the service, they can volunteer their time, they can come in and, and support, they can just use their social networks to make this known. And so we appeal to all stakeholders to come and support this company.
2: Okay, we're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. We come back, we're going to talk about some of the companies that are here inside Fledge, what makes them appropriate for Fledge, how uh, Looney chooses those companies to come in, and what are the hallmarks of success for them. This is Jillian Music with Looney Levis at CEO Coach.
3: Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this.
0: The SES Conference and Expo is making a springtime stop to New York City, March 25th through the 28th. SES New York 2013 is moving to a brand new venue in the heart of Times Square at the New York Marriott Marquis. Register now at scsconference.com. SES New York 2013 features some of the best and brightest minds in search and social marketing with keynote addresses by top-level executives from Google, Twitter, ESPN, and more. SES New York 2013 will also feature a loaded
3: expo. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate display media or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing.
2: Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed?
0: You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to, to dominate.
2: dominate. <laughs> Aim clear. clear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge <laughs> creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social.
3: We're back with Jelly and Musig, the CEO coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
2: And welcome back, Looney. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the companies that are here in the second group, or maybe some of those in the first as well. How did you choose them? What were the hallmarks that said, yeah, I can get in there? Because that's what folks who are listening here to CEO coach want to know. How can I
4: get in? Sure. So uh, there's really three main criteria. Uh, first and foremost is team. So like any other investment, uh, we pick team first overall. And the reason being is that uh, a lot of the ideas will change in the 10 weeks while they're here. Uh, we expect that. We plan on that. And so the idea that they walk in with is not terribly, uh, is not as important as who walked in with the idea. Right. Um, we so invest
2: in people first.
4: People All first. Okay. Uh, second is um, how impactful is this? So let's take a left turn here. And uh, how many people is this going to? How many lives are going to be improved by this by this product or this service? Um, uh, are lives going to be saved? Our trees are trees going to be saved? Our, our fish are fish going to be saved? Um, you know, what is the impact of this company to the world? And then the third criteria past that is, is this company going to make money? And so ultimately, these are all for-profit companies that need to be fiscally sustainable as well as sustainable to the planet. Uh, and so we look at uh, what are the likelihoods of this team with this idea in this market uh, with the competition that exists, all the factors that generally go into an investment. Uh, we we add that up and say, is this company going to make it?
2: It makes good sense. I absolutely agree with the the... Basic philosophy of Fledge, which says, in order for the world to do better at large, it must be the for profit companies, sustainable for profit companies, that are moving in that direction. You can throw untold amounts of money, time, and effort at a nonprofit, but unless it is continually fed because it continually bleeds, it will not sustain itself. Only when for profit companies, which are the, if you will, the ground base uh, of uh, the economies at large, and every economy in particular, right? Only when they focus on, the, if you will, the double bottom line, mm-hmm. will we actually change these kinds of things and move that needle. So interesting stuff.
4: We, so you can see, companies are the major force in the in the world right now. Yes. Right? There are companies, you know, there are multiple companies bigger than countries at the moment. Yes. Right, and so when they are serving the world, then the world will be a better place.
2: That makes good sense. You had an anecdote around. We were talking before an anecdote around the number of people who are, if you will, socially conscious versus the number of folks who are non. Can you share that with the audience. About fifteen percent who are socially conscious buyers. Uh,
4: so um, uh, there are clearly people out there. Uh, you know, we bump into these people all the time. That that. Care about you know their impact on the world, their own footprint, um, and what's really fascinating in working with these these uh, so-called conscious companies uh, is um, people will come out of the woodwork to support these companies. Uh, so one that's here um, from the last class is called Community Source Capital, okay. uh, and they had this very simple idea the idea that there are retail stores and there are service providers in everyone's neighborhood, Um, right? Almost everyone, even if you live in the suburbs, there's generally a a street somewhere with a bunch of stores, uh, locally owned, locally operated. And what happened in the last 10, 20, uh, 30 years is that um, whereas banks used to fund these companies when they were in need, that's disappeared. Yes. So if your local... um, Coffee shop, your local bakery, uh, your local pizzeria needs $5,000 for an oven or $10,000 for a remodel or they want right. to put in a garden or whatever. They can't go to the bank and get that anymore. Right. So Community Source Capital had this idea of let's go to the actual customers, the people who love this store, who go to this store all the time, or could be a service provider, could be a haircutting place or, or a salon or a, or a day spa, uh, and ask them to lend the money. And so they collect uh, very small amounts, $50, $100, $150 from these customers and aggregate it into a loan of 5000 or 10000 or so dollars uh, and make that transaction on behalf of this crowd. Uh, okay. And so this company got incubated last summer in Fledge, launched in January, funded its first two deals in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, is funding its third deal right now. Uh, and we expect That's a lot brilliant. more this
2: year. Now, are they returning capital to the uh, investor individually? Like, you know, I like the hair salon, so I have chosen to give—I don't know—a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, or whatever. Do I get interest, if you will, or dividends on that, or do I get a certificate that says you can spend your money here, and it's a little bit more than what you gave us?
4: Um, yeah. So, unfortunately. Um Things get complicated in this country when it comes to lending money or or investing Mm -hmm. in places. So, we have some laws that date back to 1934 Mm -hmm. that were um, a reaction to the Great Depression uh, and the stock market crash of 23. Uh, So, in order to simplify that, uh, this is set up equivalent to Kiva. Mm -hmm. People are familiar with that. So, you lend. You can only lend between $50 and $250, and okay. uh, you buy them in $50 squares, they call them, mm-hmm. making you a square holder. Uh, and you get returned exactly what you gave them.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and in the meantime, so the store can give you something for that if you want, but com- uh, as part of the community source capital system, you don't get anything right. from that. But
2: them. community source capital system can uh, charge some interest to the uh, borrower company, right? And that's how they make their money? So Is they that make wrong? their money
4: by charging... Per lender, not a fixed percentage. Per okay. So again, it's around the people. So if Excellent. if your crowd is generally um, invested, lending fifty dollar increments, your cost is a little higher than if it's hundred. And what we're seeing in the first few uh, the first few loans is that generally people lend either the minimum amount or the maximum amount. So the average is somewhere in between.
2: Makes yeah. good sense. Fascinating business model. Uh, do you have a moment to tell us some of the other folks who are here?
4: Yeah, let's go one more from that first class. Was uh, burn manufacturing. So it's been so far in the two classes that two out of seven are um, manufacturers that are bringing products to the bottom billion in Africa or India. And so that's part of part of the decision criteria here is how big's the impact, and you can in terms of number of people. And lives saved, it's, it's, uh, it's, I can say, easier. You can make a bigger impact mm-hmm. by going and bringing a product to the developing world, yes. versus, versus here, right? Uh, there's two billion people who are living at $2 a day or under, so uh, mm-hmm. they need a lot of things. Um, and so, burn manufacturing is bringing uh, clean burning cookstoves. Happens to be the cleanest burning cookstoves on the planet. Uh, they designed them over in Bashan Island, Bashan Island outside Seattle. And uh, they just announced a month ago, um, actually it was Secretary Clinton in her last meeting, her last public appearance, uh, announced, announced their funding. So they raised $4 million to go build a factory in Kenya and assembly uh, outlets in Uganda and Tanzania and um, and elsewhere in East Africa to build 3 million cookstoves.
2: And what do the cookstoves use for fuel?
4: So the first, the first cookstoves are charcoal. Because the urban populations, which is the growing population there, is burning charcoal, charcoal being sourced from the forests of East Africa. Uh, and these cook stoves use half as much fuel. And so, uh, on average, in Kenya, people are spending about $500 a year on fuel. And with this cook stove, they'll spend $250. The stove costs 33 retail.
3: Mm-hmm. And so,
4: it's pretty easy to see that there's a huge amount of savings. This will put in the person's pocket uh, after purchase of the stove.
2: So they begin in Africa. Um, I spent a great deal of time in India where they're still using um, uh, cow pellets uh, for fuel, and are they working on a stove for that as well? So
4: after charcoal comes wood, and after wood comes comes biomass, Mm -hmm. and each of these needs to be, uh, each type of biomass needs its own design. Yes, uh, because it all burns slightly differently, and in order to get the, this this amazing amount of efficiency out of it, there uh, there's a lot of design work that goes into that.
2: Fascinating stuff. We have time for one more company that you can tell us about, perhaps from the first or the second. It doesn't matter. All
4: right. Well, let's talk about Brown Box. Uh, right. one, one more that's uh, tackling the developing world this time in India. Uh, and the history of Brown Box was that um, it started. Uh, it got, first got created as a business plan at Sochent Weekend last October. So this is a weekend event that is put on uh, in, in partnership between Fledge and Hub Seattle. It's a 50-hour event. starts on a Friday and ends on a Sunday. Uh, and anyone who wants can come and bring an idea, and uh, if it gets picked up by the crowd, you have a business plan that's pitched on stage on Sunday night. And so uh, Anisha, the founder of Brown Box, came in with an idea of taking the human waste in India, which is a very like, human food mm-hmm. of India, and taking that and turning it into something of value. So obvious would be electricity and compost. Mm-hmm. We're still fine-tuning exactly what that mix is going to be in, in India.
2: Right. So they're already using it as natural compost. I mean, it is what happens uh, what, in, the, in the villages and in the fields.
4: Yeah, so what happens today... Um, uh, Often it's one of two things. Uh, actually, 750 million people just go in the open. That's correct. That's not captured. Uh, we're hoping that with solutions like Brown Box, we'll capture more of that. Um, but in the smaller cities and in the villages, it is captured into a, into a um, latrine. And today it's pumped out by trucks. Mm-hmm. And those trucks either disappear. We don't know where it goes. Um, or they dump it into the rivers untreated. Or... It gets dumped on the fields but of farmers. That is correct. Which in, Yes, it is compost, but it's also filling the fields with, um, with diseases that they yes. get recycled back to the people and cause more yes, diseases. Yes, and, and it
2: is a constant issue, yes.
4: Uh, and this, although you know, we don't like to talk about this product, uh, this, this feedstock, it has actually energy value to it. Yes. Right? It, it is, you know, when we take this from cows, we turn it into electricity in this country. Well, you can do that with human mm-hmm. waste. Um, there 's lots of you can actually compress it down and turn it into something that 's kind of like brown coal and burn it um, and so we're we 're looking here in the next uh, few weeks to figure out exactly what the mix is that 's right for india uh, and so they 're being incubated right now today 's day one of week four we have six more weeks to figure this out
2: fascinating stuff. As I said, I spent a great deal of time there and it is a huge uh, both problem and potential. So that will be pretty exciting. This is Julian Musig with Looney from uh, Fledge in Seattle, Washington. Thanks for being with us. We'll be right back.
3: Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm
2: And welcome back. Uh, thanks again for being with us, Looney. Before we wrap up here, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, the other, perhaps, colleague incubators you have around the country, around the world. Are there more places like Fledge?
4: There's just a few. Um, you know, there's maybe two thousand incubators, or maybe three thousand around the world, but uh, I only know of six or seven that, that deal with conscious companies or, or socially minded companies. Uh, the most The one that's closest is called the Unreasonable Institute. It's in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, They tend to work with companies that are further along, not not quite idea stage, but up and running and and prototype or revenue-generating companies. Uh, They've been around for three years. Uh, There's one down in San Francisco called Hub Ventures, and they tend to work more um, what we call tech for good. So they like to work for tech companies that have a social mission attached to them. Uh, there's one off in Philadelphia called the Good Company Group, uh, and they run an incubator. It's, um, it's a mix of, I believe, for-profits and non-profits. Uh, no money changes hands, no equity interest changes hands. Uh, there's one that's just about to open its, uh, its second cohort. It's called the uh, Points of Light Civic Incubator. So their focus is on civic-minded companies. Uh, it's run by the nonprofit Points of Light Institute which was started from George Bush Sr.'s uh, mm-hmm. um, speech about the Thousand Points of Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's one more that is kind of a, um, uh, an incubator fund, it's called Village Capital, mm-hmm. it's based out of Atlanta and South Carolina, but what they do is partner with other institutions around the world to run an incubator. So the mm-hmm. Points of Light Civic Incubator was run in part by Village Capital. The original Hub Ventures was was funded by Village Capital, uh, and they run them not only in the U.S. but they've run them in um, in India and South America and uh, and elsewhere.
2: Okay, um, how does how does Fledge and its similar kinds of incubators fit into the entire ecosystem of either business, if you will, entrepreneurship, and incubators at large?
4: Uh, great question. So uh, we're somewhere in the middle. Um, of, of the scheme of all the help there is out there. I, I think it is in terms of help. Okay. And so there are events like Startup Weekend and Social Weekend that let um, potential entrepreneurs test out an idea or test out the idea of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and then there are programs that are a little further along. Um, Founder Institute is one mm-hmm. uh, that's in, in, I think, 10 cities by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are there primarily for people who have a full-time job who are thinking of starting something uh, and at night can come in and work on their project, but during the day can have a job. Uh, And there are, of course, schools within that. So a Bainbridge Graduate Institute and other schools have uh, evening programs for people Mm -hmm. who are working. Uh, And then there comes the incubators and accelerators like Fledge, where you are expected to be all in, expected to have quit your job and are doing this company and are serious about it but want some help and every entrepreneur needs some help. Uh, And then there are um, accelerators and and other programs that are, once you're up and running and have revenues, that can help you make more revenues uh, or help you expand your business. So a Reasonable Institute would be that on the social side, Uh, Portland 10 would be that on on the general uh, business side down in Portland.
2: Okay. Can you share, I don't know, one or two, maybe three seriously hot tips? There are a lot of people listening who have ideas and they're going to want into something like Fledge or some of the others that you've described, what would you tell them?
4: Um, What usually shows up in the first conversation with a new time, uh, a first-time entrepreneur, think clearly about what problem you're solving. Uh, Separate that from how you're solving it. What what problem of the world, what problem of consumers are you addressing? And then once you have that codified down to a few sentences, um, uh, how are you solving it? So what, is, what are you bringing to market that's unique? Uh, what are you doing that's solving the problem that's important to that, per, to that person who has that problem? Uh, and start from there, as opposed to too often I'll just sit down with an entrepreneur over coffee and we'll jump right into what the solution is, and, um, and I'll have to stop and, and make them step back and ask why. And then really importantly, once you get through that, is to actually step eight steps back and figure out why on earth are you doing it. Are you doing it because you want to be rich? Are you doing it because you want to save the world? Are you doing it because uh, you have nothing else to do? Um, you know, okay. what is it that Why is that
2: me? important, by the way, that original goal, whether I want to make money, whether I'm bored, or whether I want to save the world? Uh, hopefully, perhaps all three come into play. It's, you know.
4: um, actually, uh, what I usually start off by telling people when I'm teaching this, this topic uh, is that starting a company is really hard. Uh, it is an absolutely crazy thing to do, Yeah. Uh, and it will consume all your time, it will consume all your energy if, if you're serious about doing it. Um, and uh, I'll usually go one step further, and I'll say the reason why your spouse and your friends and your parents are telling you you're crazy is because they're right, and um, and if you can't get past all that, if you if you if you don't have a good reason for for doing this company, then you'll just stop at some point. It'll just get too hard, and you'll throw it away.
2: I have to agree with you. I say exactly the same thing. If you can think of any other way to get up in the morning and get through your life besides being an entrepreneur. Don't do it yep. <laughs> because this is all consuming yes, and it is insanity. But thank goodness they do it on a regular basis. And I can say I, I
4: know this firsthand. I've done it six times. There you go.
2: Right. And entrepreneurs do tend to be serial entrepreneurs when they're really all in. Yes. So um, one more thing then for folks who want to get into uh, incubators that would be either Fledge or like Fledge. Um, how do they reach you? Um, You know, can you help connect them or so on if they need a little further stuff? Because we can't put the names and phone numbers and addresses of everybody in here. How can they
4: reach you? We can start with mine. Mine is easy. You go to fledge.co, just .co, um, and uh, there's an Apply button on there somewhere, depending on uh, which part of the season we're in. Um, And there's a Contact Us page as well. Um, You can also simply Google... Social conscious incubator. A lot of people find fledged via Google. Um, there really isn't a good master list anywhere else. But if, if you're in a different in a different in, in a different place in the world, in Seattle, it doesn't matter. You can still apply here, uh, and everywhere else is we're all global organizations. Um, and uh, also look to your local university because often they'll have a program in entrepreneurship or social entrepreneurship. Uh, they're starting to butt up all over the place. They may have contests. Uh, you may simply start out by helping someone else. It you know doesn't mean if you if you're serious about doing something, uh, one of the best ways to get help is to go help someone else and network your way through that path. Right? Do do it in the karma method.
2: That makes good sense. And uh, you become an apprentice. There is nothing inside a master's program in business that will teach you the real day-to-day life of entrepreneurship, except doing it. So I think that makes sense. That's really good advice. Uh, This is Jillian Newsig at CEO Coach. I'm here with the uh, founder and now the managing partner of Fledge in Seattle. Again, Fledge.co. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm or through iTunes. And don't forget to check out the new webmasterradio.fm mobile app. Till next week, this is Jillian Newsom.